Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Central Wired podcast, and thanks for listening in. Make sure to stay connected with us throughout the week at centralwired.com or on Facebook and Instagram. We hope this week's message meets you right where you're at. Enjoy. Hey, everybody, glad you're here. I believe with all my heart, because it's his good way that God has orchestrated, maneuvered, arranged in your life to draw you to this place at this moment, to speak hope, to speak love, to speak his spirit into who you are, into your relationships, into your emotions, into your very soul. That's the way of our God. And before, I mean, here's the deal. He has brought you to Central during our season of wonder. But before I get to the wonder, I've got to thank you. You guys, I am so humbled and honored to be your pastor and to have been here for 38 years, but you guys keep blowing my mind with your generosity. Um, You have no idea, unless you've been poor, what shame is connected to not having a coat at winter. Going into school, you got like three shirts on to stay warm. You see other kids with coats, hats. You're like, you know, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with my family? And let me show you a picture. Do we have the picture of the coats up there? I wanted you to see the boxes. They are gift wrapped, but in all those big boxes, they are just crammed full of coats and boots. And we are going to distribute them... Yeah, and here's the deal. When you, when you are generous in this way, it's, Jesus says, it's like you're doing it for me, like a coat for me. Or... And so I, I, I want to commend you. And, and here's the reality. All your generosity is proof that your hearts are full of wonder. And next weekend, you may not know this about us, but we feed hungry people in our immediate area. Every Wednesday they come and we give them four days of non-perishable uh, groceries. And you can imagine Thanksgiving to December, the pantry gets a bit empty. And so we're bringing sacks of groceries, non-perishable foodstuffs to make sure we have enough to feed every hungry person in our area. And my son, Wilkie, and his wife, Marissa, they bought a bag of, of groceries and brought it. And I wanted to beat them. So I bought two bags. And then Ray... Daggummit, he wanted to beat me, so he brings like four bags. But I had a lady this week message me on Facebook and said, she's bringing seven. (laughs) The, The truth is the real winner is Jesus when hungry people are fed. And all your generosity is simply proof that your hearts are full of the wonder of Jesus. Now, we are just weeks away from our big, if you're unfamiliar with our church, this happens every year. This is a game changer Christmas love offering for people in desperate need. And the first part is so much fun because we invest $15,000 in Shine to put on a fun prom experience for people with special needs in our area. Yeah. Thanks for clapping so I could have a drink. Um, No, this is such an awesome experience. 
And we used to do it with the Tim Tebow Foundation. Now we just do it on our own. And a lot of our special needs people in this church come on Saturday night. And they were so excited talking to me last night after the service and excited about coming up on Shine. And we need your help. But also, this is a part of the purpose of that Christmas Game Changer offering is to make sure that the special needs people, I mean, we pull out all the stuff, great music, fun, dancing, great food, great time, so they know they are highly valued by our God and deeply loved by this church. Now, my Debbie and I, we believe in the vision of this church to transform this entire region into a Christ-like community. So if you don't know us, we are one church, we offer like 10 different worship experiences every weekend, six different venues in four different locations in two different languages. And uh, as a result, we invest uh, richly in our campuses in Janesville and McChesney Park. And $20,000 will be devoted to them to help them go above and beyond, making it hard to go to hell in Janesville, easy to come to Jesus in McChesney Park. Um, Also, Uh, We have a heart for children, not just in our own backyard, Coates, but but for Haiti, the poorest country in the Western Hemisphere. These boys are boys from our church's orphanage. My son, Wilkie, is adopted uh, from Haiti, and he gives oversight to this ministry. And we keep these boys well-fed and in school, well-clothed. And those, right now, all schools in Haiti are closed because of gang violence, But the church is open. It's just that the church that we have for them has no roof and no floor. Now, Haiti's a Caribbean country, so it rains a lot. And when it rains, worship is a drenched, soaking, muddy mess. And so Wilkie, my son, hires Haitian laborers. That way they have jobs. But we're sending out $20,000 to put a roof on that church and to put a floor in that church so these children and the villagers surrounding it can have a safe and secure place to worship God and to learn about the love of Christ. Now, there's likely other things that are mentioned for that offering. You may think, 200 grand, man, that's a lot of money. Not to God. To God, it's a drop in the bucket. Ours is the God of impossible. We're generous because he's been generous to us, and we are grateful. And in fact, my Deb and I, well, just to tell you the truth, how God's been good to this church, we have over 700 regularly giving families. And so if there was an average gift from each of $300, we'll blow this goal out of the water. Now, my Deb and I, because we believe in the mission of this church to know Jesus and make him known here at home and in dark, hurting places like Haiti, we've saved up $1,000 to give to that offering ourselves. We want to sacrifice for the love of Christ. Now, to tell you the truth, some in this room, God has been so good to you that, man, for you, maybe $30,000 might be a more appropriate gift. And I know some of you are going through financial hard times, and maybe 30 bucks would be right for you because God doesn't see the amount of the gift. He sees the amount of the sacrifice. He sees the amount of the gratitude. And we believe that he can use each of us. And what we know is that all your generosity, all our combined generosity, it's just foolproof that our hearts are filled with the wonder of Christ. In fact, one of the names for Jesus in the Bible, the Bible names Jesus wonderful, 
full of wonder. And often I'll come up to you, sometimes if I don't even know you, and I'll tell you, you're wonderful. You're full of wonder. And whether I know you or don't know you, it's simply the truth about you that you need to embrace for yourself. Because if you know Jesus, you know his wonders. Um, when your heart is full, of, in fact, of Jesus, your heart is full of wonder. I did some research this week only to find out that the average child smiles 400 times a day. The average adult smiles 20 times a day. Real. Somewhere along the line, we have lost eight, excuse me, 380 smiles from our day. And I think it's because we've lost our wonder. Children can't stop smiling or they smile continually because they live in a continual state of wonder. The bad news is, when we lose our sense of wonder, we default, we downgrade into an ugly sense of weakness, a painful sense of weakness. And so just to draw a sharp contrast between wonder on one end of the continuum and, and painful, ugly weakness, let me just show you the qualities that that, that, that signify and indicate an inner sense of wonder, and then I'll do weakness. There's inner wonder. You, number one, you know that God hears and answers your prayers. Whenever you doubt that truth, that reality, I mean, it is the truth. He hears and answers every prayer. When you doubt that, you default into a, a, a place of inner weakness. Let me go on. Number two you know God will show up and show off in your life. You live with a sense of expectancy. You live with a sense of anticipation. God, I don't know when you're gonna do it. God, I don't know what you're gonna do. I don't know how you're gonna get it done. I just know you're gonna show up and show off in my life. People with wonder, that's how they live. Uh, number three, you know God is actively at work to your good. Number four, you know that God specializes in the impossible. Number five, you know God makes everything beautiful some way, somehow, in its time. Number six, you know God has a significant purpose for your life. And number seven, you are grateful and generous. That's just the way it works. You can't be generous without being grateful, and you are grateful when you live with a sense of wonder in your life. Now, to draw the sharp contrast, let me give you seven attributes of, of the ugly, painful weakness that we downgrade into when we lose our wonder. Number one, your generosity weakens as your selfishness gets a stronger hold on your heart. Number two, your faith weakens as your fears intensify. See how those are connected? You, you aren't generous because you think that there won't be enough for you. Your generosity fades your fear gets bigger than your faith. Number three, your worship weakens as you worries consume you. You worry more than you worship, and worship becomes just going through the motion, and worry becomes your passion. Number four, your hope weakens as your anxiety increases. You know what Scripture says? Be anxious for nothing. Pray about everything with thanksgiving. 
Let all your requests be made known to God and the peace that passes all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Number five, your sense of peace then weakens as your anger wars within you. Number six, your sense of adventure weakens as boredom is your second nature. Anybody have teenagers? And when my boys, my biological boys were young, and probably Wilkie, and probably my adopted daughter, Olivia, when they would say, Dad, I am bored. I would say, it's not that you're bored. You're boring. <laughs> because exciting people are always excited. You get to choose, son. Be boring or be exciting. It's your choice. Okay. I was a terrible father. <laughs> Number seven. You become more empty than filled to the full with the fullness of God. So I want to tell you a story today that is God-breathed. And it is about a man, a really, really good man, a godly man, the kind of man that was in worship every weekend, that was in the word of God every day, not just by himself, but with his wife. He was devoted to her under the most adverse kind of circumstances. And they prayed together throughout the course of the day. They served God. They loved God. But this man downgrades into painful, ugly weakness and pays the consequence as a result. Now, this story begins to unfold 15 months before the birth of Jesus. Now, to tell you the truth, the story begins 400 years before the birth of Jesus. Listen, God is going to speak. He's going to say the word, listen, and then he's not going to speak again for 400 years. Check it out. Book of Malachi chapter 3, through Malachi God says, listen, I want your undivided attention. Don't want you to miss this. I'm telling you the truth. You take this to the bank. Listen, I will send my messenger, who ends up being John the Baptist, to prepare the way for the Lord. And then the Lord, who happens to be Jesus, coming 400 years later, Jesus, the teacher of God's promises, the one you're looking for, he will surely come and bring you great joy. I'll tell you something, friends. When Jesus comes into your life, he brings more than great joy. He brings great love. He brings great peace. He brings great hope. And the way to greater peace and greater joy and greater hope is just to make more room for Jesus. Yes, he is surely coming, says God Almighty. And we know, 400 years later, Jesus came. But what we also know right now is he is coming again. Do you believe that? And I say, Lord Jesus, come. But here's the deal. I'm going to have us all say it because we, we, what intensifies and clarifies our sense of wonder is an ongoing awareness that someday, maybe not in my lifetime, maybe not in yours, but someday he is coming again. Someday the skies are going to be split asunder and there Jesus will be seated on white stallion, his name on his thigh, fire in his eyes, coming victoriously. I'm getting choked up. To claim his church, So I'm going to say Jesus, and I want you to say, yes, he is surely coming. We're going to fire up our own sense of wonder at the anticipation, the eager expectancy that our Jesus is being sent by God to rescue, deliver, and save. Here we go. Jesus. Yes, he is surely coming. Jesus. Yes, he is surely coming. Jesus. Yes, he is surely coming. 
One more time. Jesus. Yes, he is coming. That's the truth. And as we live with that expectancy, he gets to be in charge. He gets to be sovereign. And you know what scripture says? I mean, God spoke those words to the prophet Malachi, and then for 400 years, God doesn't show up. For 400 years, God is silent. He made people wait for the coming of the promise to be made real. And I believe that in heaven, I don't just believe it, the Bible says it right now, God is holding back his son because he desires that none should perish, but all come to repentance. So he's waiting, maybe even for today, for you to accept Jesus as your savior. Um, 400 years, God didn't show up. Has there ever been a time, do you ever feel that God's not showing up in your life? I mean, what do you do? How does it feel? I mean, this is the deal for this godly man and his wife. God's not showing up. What do you do? Well, here's how the story starts. It doesn't start once upon a time because this is a true historical account breathed out by God. And it starts like this. The start gives us an indication of how ugly because there's this guy, he didn't just default into weakness, an ugly, painful weakness. He had just defaulted into an evil wickedness and his name was Herod. This story happens when Herod was king of Judea. Now, he wasn't really king. He was the puppet ruler serving the Roman Empire. But he called himself king. He made himself king. And you better call him king too or you'll be dead meat. I mean, he murdered his own wife. He murdered two of his sons. This is the Herod. He called himself Herod the Great. He didn't know about LeBron. He called himself Herod the Great and he sanctioned the bloodbath in Bethlehem. He sanctioned the murderous massacre of every little boy in Bethlehem. That, they called him Herod the Butcher. <laughs> Not to his face. He was so vile. He taxed his own people into abject poverty. He got richer and richer with their hard-earned money, and they got poorer and poorer. That's what's going on. And he thinks he's the big dog. He built his house right next to the house of God, but he built his house bigger, taller than the house of God. He said, God and I live in the same neighborhood, and I look down on him. That's Herod in Jerusalem. Jerusalem's a city of about 200,000 people, and he's ruling them and all those around there. But about eight miles from Jerusalem is a small, dusty, one-horse village. It's nowhere. And there's two nobodies living there. A priest, a small-town, small-time pastor named Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth. Here's what Scripture says. There was a Jewish priest named Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth. Together, they lived honorably before God. They wanted to honor God with their lives in worship on the weekend, in the word every day, in prayer throughout the day, serving God, loving God. And they were careful in keeping the ways of the commandments and enjoying a clear conscience before God. But they were childless because Elizabeth could never conceive and And now they're jacked up out of luck. They're very old. It's physically, humanly impossible for her to get pregnant and give birth. 
I know some of you have struggled or are struggling now with the pain of infertility. And it's not just that it hurts, but it can feel shameful. You come to church and you see other people with children. You go to Walmart and see other people with children. You read the news and people are mean, abusive to children. You're like, God, why did they get a baby? And I don't. That, that's the pain of Zachariah and Elizabeth. Now, most men in that time, here's, here's, here's what the beauty about Zachariah. He stayed devoted to his wife. Most men in that era, they would dump her on the curb. You can't give me a baby, I'm getting somebody else who can make a baby. But he stayed devoted to his wife. Um, Zachariah, his name means um, God remembers. And Elizabeth means God has promised. Put those two names together. I mean, God was in the names. God was in the marriage. God was in the relationship. Because you put those two names together, God remembers what he's promised. But they've come to believe that their, their names are meaningless. They're just empty shells. In fact, I mean, they've prayed, they've asked for, they've cried out to the Lord repeatedly. And it's like God has forgotten his promises. So what do you do? I mean, they prayed, 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 prayed. Can you imagine? Can you imagine that they prayed every day and throughout the day? God, please give us a baby. God, at this point, we don't care if it's a boy or a girl. Please give us a baby. God, just, just, a, just a baby. Please, God, please, God. Every day prayed. Nothing. So what do you do? I mean, what have you stopped praying for? And you're like, well, God wasn't answering my prayers. Yes, he is. God always answers every single prayer. He, he can say yes, and that's awesome. He can say no, that's not good for you. You don't know the future I do, and if, you, if I do what you're asking me to do, I mean, if God answered those kinds of prayers, the Bears would win the Super Bowl every stinking year. He says no. Sometimes God says, I will if you will. Hey, you want me to do something for you? Then you serve me. Hey, you want me to celebrate you and bless you? Then you should celebrate me and bless me. I will if you will. And sometimes God says, wait. The answer's coming. And when the time is right, I'll deliver. But yes, no, I will if you will or wait. Every time. God answers your prayers. Um, and so what do you think? Zachariah, this poor couple, Mr. and Mrs. Nobody, in the middle of nowhere, got nothing. I mean, their house was probably, I've been in houses from that era when we've been to Israel, maybe 600 square feet, and a portion of that house dedicated on the inside to their animals. What did they do when God didn't answer their prayers? What did they do when life didn't go there? Shake their fist of God, get all bitter and angry and stop going to church and stop reading the Bible, stop praying. No, they kept worshiping God. They kept loving God. They kept serving God. They kept praying to God. They kept digging into God's word. Look at the word of God. It says Zachariah and Elizabeth, they weren't getting what they wanted, but they lived honorably before God. Their prayers weren't being answered the way they wanted them answered, but they were careful in keeping the ways of God and living with a clear conscience before God. So they kept praying and loving and 
worshiping and reading God's word until, and I believe that all those prayers and all that study and all that worship and all that service and all that love was like building up a mighty river, a damned river, but the dam broke. Why do I feel like I'm cussing in church? The dam broke because on a particular day, at a particular time, God made Zechariah win the lottery. You see, there were 18,000 priests in Israel at that time. And every year, every year, one of those priests would be selected to go into the presence of God and call out the prayers of all God's people. And so every year they would roll the dice, 18,000 guys rolling the dice, rolling the dice. And every year, oh, sorry, Zachariah, you lose. Next year, Zachariah rolls the dice. Oh, Zachariah, you're really a loser, dude. Next year, loser, loser. No, not you, not you, not you. You're not good enough. You are cursed because your wife can't get cursed. Will you quit rolling the dice, Zachariah? You ain't good enough. But this year, Zechariah rolls the dice and they tumble. And they're like, oh my gosh, you, the cursed guy whose wife can't get pregnant, you, you're the one. And you see, in that day and time, when a priest got this privilege and this honor before God to represent the people's prayers before God in the presence of God, he only got to do it once. It was like a Super Bowl for all priests. And this time it's for Zechariah. Here's what the word of God says. As was the custom of priests, 18,000 of them, in that day, Zechariah was chosen by Lot. He was the lottery pick to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense. And while the incense was being burned, a great crowd stood outside praying. Now, what's up with that? If you could visualize in your mind, now, this is not the high priest who went into the Holy of Holies once a year. No, but this place of prayer in the presence of God was as close to, to the Holy of Holies as any human being was allowed to get. And this time, it's only Zechariah. But why? If you could see that little place of prayer with an altar, crowds of people crushed in around it and then spreading out as far as you could see. People, people, people. Those people believed they were there because they believed that their prayers, their personal prayers, that would they would go up into the presence of God. And they were there to pray for their family, to pray for their finances, to pray for their emotions, and to pray for their, their, their physical well-being. So um, Zechariah's on the inside, and he takes a mixture of myrrh and frankincense and and throws it on the hot coals of the altar, and immediately smoke would rise from the burning incense. And it was a symbol that smoke was carrying the prayers of God's people up and fragrant. This fragrant aroma was pleasing God. You see, it pleases God when you pray. I mean, even if you don't get a yes, even if you get a wait, even if it's an I will, if you will, he loves your prayers. Even if your prayers are crazy, He loves your prayers. In fact, that's what's happening right now. Right this very minute in heaven for you when you pray. Book of Revelation, we read this. The smoke of the incense mixed with the prayers of God's holy people ascend up to God. Our personal prayers always, 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 everyone go up into the presence of God. I believe this time, 
throws the frankincense of myrrh on the coals. Smoke goes up, leans into the smoke, inhales deeply, lifts his heart, his hands, his head toward heaven, and prays two prayers. O Lord God, maker of heaven and earth, send your promised Savior, send your great King, send the one who is surely promised to come, send him now to save and deliver and rescue, send him now. And then number two, Lord, you are creator of heaven and earth, the sky and the sea and all that's in them. You made everything and of nothing. Nothing's too difficult for you. I believe you are a God of miracles that you can still, even though I'm too old, even though it's physically impossible for my wife to get pregnant, I believe you can give us a child. Please, God, one more prayer, one more time in your presence. Please, God, give us a baby. And as soon as he said amen, bam, that place lit up with an angel. An angel shows up to deliver God's answer to his prayers. Scripture says, the angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the incense. Because he didn't want to go back to heaven smelling like smoke. I just made that part up. Zechariah, shaken and overwhelmed with wonder. You know what? We're lucky this old dude didn't die right there. (laughs) Elizabeth, I'm having a big one. He is shaken. He's overwhelmed with wonder. But the angel said, don't be afraid, Zachariah. Zachariah says, well, get sneaking up on me. God has heard your prayer. Your wife, Elizabeth, will give you a son. And you were to name him John. Not Zachariah Jr. You were to name him John. And you will have great joy and gladness. And many will rejoice in his birth. And he will be great. Not not Herod. Herod's got the fame. Herod's got the power. Herod's got the money. But I'm talking about true greatness. Great in the eyes of the Lord. I've given you Zachariah and Elizabeth's names and what they mean. Did you know that the name John, I met a Jonathan today. The name John means God shows his favor. All those prayers, all that service, all that worship, all that love, all that time in God's word. And now God shows his favor. You name that boy John, and every time you call him to supper, you're, you're saying God shows his favor. Every time you get out and play pitch and catch with him, you're, you know, God shows his favor. Every time you put your arm around him and pull him into a warm hug, you're reminded God shows his favor. And that's the moment when Zachariah screws it up. Downgrades. From inner wonder into inner weakness. And it gets very painful. And there's a consequence. He says this to the angel. He says, how how, how can I be sure this will happen? Give me a sign. Show me. I'm an old man and my wife, she looks like a raisin. (laughs) Hey, he looked like a raisin too. I was in Walmart this week. And a lady, I thought she looked old. She came up to me and said, you seem like a nice older man. I punched her. (laughs) True story, except for the punching. So the angel tells him, that's how you're going to talk. You're going to shut up for nine months. Here's the word of God. The angel said, hey, dude, I am Gabriel. 
I stand in the very presence of God. You see, an angel is a messenger, stands in God's presence, gets God's message, and delivers it word for word as if it's God saying it himself. I was, it was he, God, who sent me to bring you this good news. But now, you see, our words are important. I believe, therefore I speak. And when I speak based on my belief, my belief becomes reality. But if I speak doubts, my doubts become the reality. And so the angel, Gabriel, doesn't want Zachariah screwing this up because this baby named John is gonna grow to be John the Baptist, the forerunner of Christ. And so he says, no more doubts out of you, baby. You're gonna be quiet for the next nine months. And Elizabeth's like, thank you, Jesus, that's awesome. Now, since you didn't believe what I said, you will be unable to speak until the child is born and my words will certainly be fulfilled at the proper time. Same is true for you. Every day, go to God's word and open it up. Read the promises and his promises, his words will be fulfilled in your life at the proper time. And when you read them, you say, I believe. And based on my belief, I speak, I speak expectancy, wonder, and anticipation, and gratitude because my God will deliver, making everything beautiful in its time. Well, Elizabeth was a little different in her response, unbelievably. She gets pregnant. And now at the grocery store, she's buying diapers and depends at the same time. (laughs) Elizabeth became pregnant. How kind the Lord is. He has taken away my shame, removed the curse of having no children. You see, just like you, I mean, when you bring coats and food and help orphans in Haiti, you are removing the shame and the curse, just like Jesus has done for you. This is called the doctrine of expiation. That when Jesus died on the cross in your place as your substitute, taking the punishment, the judgment, the condemnation, the anger of God that you and I deserve for our sin, you weren't just forgiven. You are fully forgiven by the full and finished work of Jesus, past, present, and future. You are fully forgiven, but you are also cleansed of all guilt and shame. Elizabeth was like, I'm clean now, I'm free now. The curse is gone. Do you know the scripture says Jesus was made to be a curse on the cross that you might be free of the curse of sin, death, and hell. All your generosity, full proof of the wonder of Jesus in your life. Would you stand with me, please? Our Father, I pray your grace over this gathered church family. We say together, because I know I've defaulted into an inner weakness, and it was ugly and it was painful for me. And I just say we're sorry for all of us that we go there, because you've given us only reason to be filled with wonder. You are an awesome God, full of mercy, who loves to show compassion. We thank you for Jesus who took our place on the cross as our substitute. And as we begin the season of wonder, Lord, we thank you for the story. 
of a couple of humble people who wouldn't stop praying, wouldn't stop loving, wouldn't stop serving, wouldn't stop worshiping. And you delivered, Lord, beyond their wildest dreams. When they thought it was absolutely impossible, you came through and you get all the glory. Lord, get glory out of our lives and out of this church. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us. Just a reminder to stay connected with us throughout the week at centralwire.com or on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks again for being with us and have a great week.